glad you're with me today. Welcome back to our study of God's Word. We're in 1 John chapter 3, and I want to particularly focus on two verses today, verse 6 and verse 9. In verse 6, we read, No one who lives in him, Jesus, keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has ever seen him or known him. In verse 9, along the same line, No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. So is, let's see what, what is really being said here. These two verses uh, are really describe the basic characteristic of a true Christian, a true believer, and that the believer is different from the unbeliever. The believer does not and continually, habitually sin. He doesn't, it doesn't say that the believer never sins. But this is not a way of life for him. And we need to understand exactly what this means. And we, the, the King James Version might cause a person to think that John is saying that a Christian is perfect and never sins, but that's not what he's saying. And, and uh, if, if, he, if he were saying that, John has already contradicted himself because he said in chapter 1, verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Therefore, it's imperative that we examine these verses to make sure we know what they don't say and what they do say, because there, there's a lot of confusion about them, what these verses do not mean. Before we can get down to the truth, sometimes we must push aside error and false conceptions that some people have come to believe. There have been many interpretations of these verses that are false. I believe, as I've said earlier, there's only one basic, true, divinely intended interpretation of any passage of Scripture. Sometimes I hear people say, well, there are many, there are many interpretations. You just pick the one you like. No, that's not true. There's only one. Every verse only means one thing. Every truth says one thing. And you can't make now that each truth can, can touch many areas and can, can make a difference in a lot of areas. I'm not certainly denying that. That's wonderfully true. And you may see something in a verse you didn't see when you read it before, but that's not saying that it changed. That's saying that, that you just missed that truth at first and now you're seeing it because every verse has one basic meaning and at least in the sense that that's what God is saying to us. And we can't just say, well, it's whatever, whatever you think, you know, whatever you want it to think, want it to mean is okay. That's just not true. And the first view about this verse is, that we have here a teaching that a Christian can be perfect in this life and reach a state or a place of sinless perfections. Perfection. Those who, who, ha who believe this view always speak of a crisis experience when they were what they call sanctified. And usually it's some kind of experience when they, they felt like as a believer they moved out of sin into perfection. But the Bible says that's not possible, and if we just do that, we, we deceive ourselves. There's another view, and that view is that the word sin should be narrowed down to certain specific things like murder, adultery, cruelty, things like that. They say that what the apostle is saying here is that it's impossible for Christians to commit certain kinds of sin. For example, our Catholic friends take this verse to support the dis distinction between mortal and venial sins. They say that certain sins are mortal and can't be forgiven, and some are possible to forgive. But that, that view holds that there are certain kinds of sins which 
are more real, more serious than others. And the Bible doesn't hold that standard. It indicates that sin is sin and that Christians sometimes do commit very serious sins. The third view is, is that this passage refers to certain willful sins. The idea of this view is that a Christian cannot commit willful or deliberate sins. They may drift into sin. They may be deceived into sin. They might slip into sin. But it's like trying to do something and know what you're doing or just actually falling. But that's, that's not true either. We can either be headlong into sin on our own or we can be deceived into sin or we can slip into sin or we can fall into sin. And there are other views. But let me mention only one other and that's held by a great many people, that John is contrasting the two natures between the believer, one which is received from Adam, the natural life, which also sins, and the other is the new nature received from God, which never sins. This seems to be a plausible explanation of these verses. The idea is that the old nature does sin, but the new nature never does. Therefore, what John seemed to be saying is the new nature never sins. The only problem with this is it seems to divide the person into two beings and that just isn't the way life is i think what john is saying is very simple what 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 is he really getting at i believe the greek tenses of the verbs are the key john uses the present tense over and over again now that present tense in greek speaks of a continuous habitual action if he had wanted to refer to a single act of sin he would have used the aorist tense which would have conveyed without question that a believer cannot commit a single act of sin. He never used that tense, but he used the continuous tense, the present tense, which indicates that a believer cannot continually, habitually live in sin or act in a sinful way. With this in mind, let's examine the two verses. In verse 6, he says, No one who abides in him continually sins. No one who continually sins has seen him or known him. You see, character is shown by one's habitual actions, not the extraordinary actions. The tense of the verb is present, that kind of continuous action and habitual action. Thus, everyone who really, really knows Christ and has a relationship with him will not continue to live in sin. We sin, we fail, and no question about that as Christians, but we don't live in it all the time. We don't continue that way. You see, if we continue that way, our life has not been changed. John doesn't deny that we do sin, but he denies that we live that way constantly, the way we lived before we came to know Christ. He says in verse 6 that the person who habitually sins has not really seen God or really known God. Such a person is obviously not in a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. So I think it's important for us to come to grips with the fact that the person who says I'm a believer and lives totally in sin and lives totally for self is not telling the truth. They may have deceived themselves, but whatever the situation is, they're not a true believer. And if you can live content with evil without a struggle, deliberately doing what the word of God declares is not right, if you can go on and not let any of this bother you, then you really don't know him. Look at verse 9. No one who is born of God practices sin because his seeds abides in him, and he cannot sin because he's born of God. See, what he's saying is it's important that is born is a present participle. That means a past completed act of regeneration. Once at a point in time, we give our lives to Christ, totally yielding everything to him as Savior and Lord. And the Holy Spirit 
the divine nature of God came to live in us. And since he lives in us, it is impossible for us to continue to live in sin because God's seed is there. We fail, we sin, we mess up sometimes in an individual way, in a personal way, but not as a habitual practice of our lives. Today, glorify Christ, live for him.